Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. And when I started coaching writers in 2006, I noticed a common theme that went something like this. My story looks so alive and brilliant in my head, but as soon as I write it, the story falls flat. And then I feel like a fraud. I'm starting to wonder why I continue to spend so much time at something I'm obviously so bad at. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Panuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. When I was in my early 20s, I left a job in advertising, and instead of looking for another corporate job, I took a waitressing job doing the breakfast shift at a Mexican restaurant called Chi-Chi's, and I had this resolve that I would come home around noon every day and spend the rest of the day writing my novel. That was my plan. I was free from this soul-deadening job and the daily commute, which was depleting my creativity, my time, and my energy. But I knew nothing about writing a novel at that time. I had this great story in my head, and my characters were fascinating, and the story was dramatic and compelling. And then I think within I think it was maybe three months, maybe six months. I gave up on that novel because I just couldn't transfer what I was feeling and envisioning in my head onto the page. In my imagination, my characters were alive and fascinating, but on the page they were flat and dull and one-dimensional. I knew nothing about structure or how to write a scene or how to make characters feel like real human beings. They were shallow. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, my writing was terrible. So I guess it was about six months in, I gave up writing all together. I was convinced that I had no talent whatsoever. I felt despair. I was depressed. And worst of all, I felt self-hatred. I finally had more than enough time to write, and I had let myself down. I had even changed jobs. 
and reorchestrated my time in order to devote to this novel, and I had completely let myself down. Now, I know that this is a common struggle we all face at various times, but I didn't know that at the time. I thought there was something wrong with me until I started spending time with other writers in workshops, writers groups, and in graduate school. And then when I started coaching writers in 2006, I noticed a common theme that went something like this. My story looks so alive and brilliant in my head, but as soon as I write it, the story falls flat, and then I feel like a fraud. I'm starting to wonder why I continue to spend so much time at something I'm obviously so bad at. So let me ask you, have you ever felt that way? The story is alive and powerful and vivid in your head. Then when you read what you wrote, you think, That's not what I meant to say. That's not even close to what I see in my mind. This story is just no good. I'm no good. Maybe I'm not a writer after all. So first, let me assure you, you're not alone in this struggle. Every writer struggles with some version of this problem and to varying degrees. Second, if you're called to write, you are a writer. It's an intrinsic part of who you are. It's like breathing. Even if you stop for a certain amount of time, the urge to write will come back sooner or later. It did for me. And I don't want you to waste any more time doubting yourself. Because here's the thing. The journey from imagination to page is inherently fraught with what Twyla Tharp calls divine dissatisfaction. Now, there may be nothing divine about your dissatisfaction with your work right now, but I'm going to help you get there so that the dissatisfaction feels divine. So here's the deal. In the theater of our mind, our story is this multidimensional, technicolor, high-def world teeming with life. But inevitably, in our early attempts to transfer that vision onto the page, that world disintegrates. It just goes flat. And this is where a lot of writers get lost, they get despondent, and many stop writing altogether. But the truth is, every writer worth his his or her salt grapples with this very same struggle. Listen to how Anne Patchett describes her writing process. And this is just gorgeous writing, of course, but listen to this. This book I have not yet written one word of is a thing of indescribable beauty, unpredictable in its patterns, piercing in its color, so wild and loyal in its nature that my love for this book and my faith in it as I track its lazy flight is the single perfect joy in my life. It is the greatest novel in the history of literature, and I have thought it up, and all I have to do is put it down on paper, and then everyone can see this beauty that I see. And so I do. I reach and pluck the butterfly from the air. I take it from the region of my head, and I press it down against my desk, and there, with my own hand, I kill it. It's not that I want to kill it, but it's the only way I can get something that is so three-dimensional onto that flat page. 
Just to make sure the job is done, I stick it into place with a pin. Imagine running over a butterfly with an SUV. Everything that was beautiful about this living thing, all the color, the light, and movement is gone. What I'm left with is the dry husk of my friend, the broken body chipped, dismantled, and poorly reassembled. Dead. That's my book. Okay, so what did I tell you? We all deal with this struggle, right? Now, that despair didn't stop her from offering nine books, Bel Canto, The Patron Saints of of Liars, and The Magician's Assistant. So you know what? (laughs) She wrestles with the same self-doubt and frustration every time she sits down to write something new. Every single time. Ta-Nehisi Coates says the writing process is like trying to transfer a piece of music you hear in your head to the blank page. And so you fail. He believes the entire writing process is all about failure, failing over and over again. So what do writers like Ann Patchett and Ta-Nehisi Coates do to push through the inevitable failure of their works in progress? How do they close the gap between their vision and its ultimate expression? They keep showing up to the page. They work with and through their resistance. They continue honing their craft through deliberate, focused practice. They revise over and over until the music on the page gets closer to the music in their head. Now, there's no mystery to this. To elevate your writing to the brilliance of your imagination, you need to develop the muscle of perseverance to keep learning and practicing your craft. Look, writing is an art, just like any other art. Now, if I was coming home every afternoon after my waitressing job, expecting to play classical piano or sing opera or become a master chess player or dance Swan Lake or become an Olympic swimmer, whatever, I wouldn't expect to master it in the first on the first pass or even in the first three to six months. My goodness, I would know that it takes rigorous practice and a great coach. I would never expect to learn how to play piano or dance or sing without a teacher and a coach. And it wasn't until I worked one-on-one with mentors that I finally gained enough competency to feel more in control over my material, even when the story wasn't showing up in it as its highest version of itself. Now, Ira Glass calls this the gap between our good taste and what's showing up right now. So like any other masters of their form, whether they're a musician, dancer, chess player, or writer, there are always like three stages that we typically move through. There's the novice stage, the competency stage, and then there's the mastery stage. So the novice stage is the longest and the hardest, and it's the most uncomfortable, and it's the most painful. It's where a lot of 
people give up. It's when we don't know what we don't know and we have no tools yet to not only identify where our story needs some loving care, but how to bring our story closer to the vision that lives so vividly in our head. And when we fail, as we all inevitably do in our early drafts, we think we don't have the requisite talent. Then we have the competency stage, and this is when it starts being fun. We still might be floundering like Ann Patchett and Tanahishi Coates, but we have control over our material. This is when it's um, it's divine dissatisfaction. We know how to navigate through the mess of our works and progress and make it flow and sparkle and captivate. We have essential craft elements in our toolbox, and it's it's still challenging, but we know how to find solutions to our story problems. So we keep at it and it feels good. And then we reach the mastery stage. So what is mastery? Mastery is the command, the power, or control of a particular subject. So it's expert skill or knowledge, but mastery is not an end result. It's a frame of mind and it gains traction from your desire to get better and better at your writing. Now, back in episode 15, we talked about how flow is essential to mastery, but here's the rub. Flow doesn't automatically lead to mastery. And that's because flow happens in the moment But mastery unfolds over months, years, decades. It's constantly evolving. Now, you've probably heard by now about the 10,000-hour rule. Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in his book, Outliers. And in the book, he cites several studies that show that 10,000 hours of practice, you know, there's a pattern that they've um, they've come to know, and it's required to achieve the level associated with being a world-class expert in anything. And they've studied composers, athletes, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players, even master criminals. Again and again, this number comes up. According to the neurologist Daniel Levitin, he thinks it, it takes that the brain this long to assimilate all that it needs to know in order to achieve true mastery. In other words, nobody is born a genius. They become geniuses, even Mozart. You know, we all have this mythology surrounding him as the child prodigy who started writing music at the age of five. And if you look at Wikipedia, this is what they dole out as fact. And You know, the lore has this belief that he just came out of the womb with this genius ability to compose great music. But according to Michael Howe in his book, Genius Explained, Mozart's early works were not really that spectacular. In fact, the music he was composing when he was like 12 or 13 was pretty awful. The earliest of his compositions that we now consider a masterpiece was not composed until he was 23. And by that time, he had been composing concertos for, guess what, 10 years, 10,000 hours. That's a lot of time. But don't worry, you probably clocked in a big chunk of those hours already. So be patient with yourself and be persistent. 
Remember, when you're in flow, those hours fly by. You lose all concepts of time. You don't care about how many hours you're spending on your writing. You're not counting the hours. You're not counting how many words you're writing per day. That's because you're immersed in the moment. The writing itself is its own delicious reward. So brilliance is cultivated. So now let's talk about the road to mastering your story or book. And here's a little of what you can expect. Number one, setbacks are inevitable. You will get rejected by agents and publishers. Feedback from peers and mentors will not always feel good to you. Not everyone will always love what you write. And this may dismantle everything you believe about your ability to write, but don't let it. Writing is all about revising, re-envisioning, cutting, and expanding your story or book. And once you do that, you're going to revise, re-envision, cut, and expand again over and over and over. Now, this is not proof that your work is a failure. It's actually a testament to your work's possibilities, right? Writing is all about failing over and over again. You know, writing something that a reader is eager to read is hard. Getting them to keep turning the page takes practice. So number two, you need deliberate, focused practice. Writing itself is not hard, but writing well is hard. Writing something worth reading is a camel walk. It requires effort. And effort is simply a desire to improve at something that matters to you because then it becomes a joyful effort. So give yourself permission to write badly. Give yourself permission to fail over and over. Set aside a certain amount of time on a consistent basis and commit to pure focus on your story. Now focus on something small, one scene, one sentence, really hone in on one small thing to work on at a time and then move on to the next small thing. Now, even if your first novel is never published, even if it's shoved in the drawer and never sees the light of day again, you will have learned so much about the art and craft of writing just by having gone through the process of finishing that novel. So finish it, even if it never gets published. It's only by going through the process of writing that novel that you will gain the nutrients from it and go on to write a successful novel later on. Now, the thing about progress is it happens in those subtle shifts. So you're always moving towards mastery little by little, sentence by sentence. Now, when I was studying dance way back in the day, one of the hardest things to learn to master was to do pirouettes. So turning on one leg once, multiple times. So the way I was taught was broken down into these components parts. So first I had to learn how to balance on one leg with the other drawn up into a passe. I had to get really strong in the ankles and my core, and I had to get my hips in the right position over my feet. My shoulders had to be down. I had to learn to plie. I had to have the flexibility to do that. Then once I could balance on one leg, once I had those mechanics down, I practiced doing quarter turns, then half turns, then full turns, then eventually multiple turns. So deliberate, focused practice. Number three, 
There is no there there. You will never feel as though you've mastered writing. Mastery will always elude you. And that's what's so darn seductive about it, right? As Dan Pink says, the joy is in the pursuit more than in the realization. And he talks about how Paul Cezanne's best paintings came late in life. Well, why is that? It's because he was endlessly trying to realize his best work. One critic wrote, the ultimate synthesis of a design was never revealed in a flash. Rather, he approached it with infinite precautions, stalking it, as it were, now from one point of view, now from another. So for him, the synthesis was a goal toward which he was forever approaching without ever quite reaching it. In other words, with mastery, what you want to achieve is just behind your grasp at all times. You never feel as though you've arrived, even when you're widely published, even when you're at the top of your game. Now, athletes, musicians, dancers, all artists are never satisfied with their last performance. So when I was writing feature articles on classical musicians and dance companies like Twyla Tharp, they rehearsed relentlessly several days before the performance, even even the performances, even the, the numbers that they'd been performing for years. They rehearsed all the way up to 15 minutes before the house opened to the audience. So they were always critiquing their performance after the show, and they were always looking for those small incremental ways, those two millimeter shifts to improve the next performance. And look, the more practiced you are, the better you are, the more demanding you become of your own work. So it doesn't really get easier. It gets harder because you're more demanding of yourself, but you'll have more skills to navigate. Now you want to be in this for the long game. Yes, publishing may be the end game or even finishing your book might be the end game, but your potential doesn't stop there. Every time you sit down to write something new, you're still going to grapple with the same struggles. I mean, look what Ann Patchett said about her process. You're going to struggle with which point of view to best tell your story. You're going to want to know what does your character want, but you're always going to be honing your craft. It's a lifetime practice. There is no cap on your writing potential. Your talent alone, is it's just not enough. You need to work. So let's recap what to expect on your road to mastery. Number one, setbacks are inevitable. You don't get to cut a deal. Number two, you want deliberate, focused practice. Go for small, incremental improvements. And number three, mastery will always elude you. There's no there there. So be kinder to yourself. And If you're in the novice or competency stage of your writing and you want to work with me to bring your writing to the next level or get started with something you've been burning to write, I'm opening up free 30-minute phone consults just for you. So visit nancypinuccio.com slash schedule to book your call. It's totally free. That's nancypinuccio.com forward slash schedule. I'll link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Writer Unleashed. 
More free resources are available at nancypannuccio.com. So head on over there to grab your gifts. And if you want to connect with more like-minded writers and with me, join us in our private Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash writer unleashed community. It's totally free to join. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Till then, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon.